Love Talk with the Lovelies, Kathy Anderbrock and Carrie Brinker. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's Christian Talk. You have found the Love Ladies, and we are so excited for today's program. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater. And we are always building bridges of love and leadership. It's such a beautiful time in Texas. It is hot. Don't get me wrong, but we just love it. And you can always find us on Love Talk Network. We're missing our first lady of love today, Miss Evelyn Davison. She's just taking a brief sabbatical, and we are prayerful that she will be able to return back with Kathy and I in just a couple of weeks. But I... I'm just on cloud nine. I know you can hear it in my voice because my good friend Kathy Enderbrock is in studio today. In studio. There's like a lot of love, a lot of joy, a <laughs> lot of excitement in this room today because we have this incredible program. We have a friend who is very dear to us both. We've, we've kicked off this summer series, A Day in the Life of a Witness. And this is what we're, we are learning. Carrie's learning this. I'm learning this. We want to share this with you, our, our listening friends who we love, that we can be witnesses. We don't have to have a theology degree. This is, this is something we can all do. And so over the summer, we're interviewing uh, this, a diverse group of people who have just really uniquely stepped up to be a witness to those around them. And none of them have a theology degree, which is pretty cool. And they're doing it in all different ways, some through social media, books, missions, workplace choices. We're going to be having a Museum of the Bible interview coming up uh, in a couple of weeks here. And they're just normal people like like you, like me from diverse uh, backgrounds and just willing to be honest and vulnerable And so we are going to be um, having this incredible discussion with someone who was willing to be incredibly vulnerable. She's just recently gotten back from a book presentation in Charlevoix, Michigan. Probably just butchered that name. Sorry, Michigan. And we're going to introduce her in in just a moment. I want to share with you the key verse that really lays out um, the principle for this summer series, it says it's from First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. So in your New Testament, kind of towards the end of the New Testament, and it says this, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense against, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. And that's what we have to remember is those who love the Lord. It's about love and gentleness and respect. And we need to be prepared to share the hope um, that is in each of us. I hope you have a lot of hope today, listening mm-hmm. friends. Uh, we want to share some of the hope that we have with you and um Carrie, so you have been basically ministering to vacation Bible school students. You've been a pastor at Camp Crestview. You've been doing so much. Talk about being prepared to share this hope. You've had an incredible summer. I, You know, Kathy, I love this kind of series that we're in, A Day in the Life of a Witness, because you, you nailed it on the head. I, in a million years, I never would have dreamed I would be preaching um, and and delivering sermons. I, I never dreamed that. You know, when I left college coaching now, oh, my stars, four years ago, I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, um, 
you'll have to give me a new ministry because you know my heart is with these young women and I've been ministering to young women now for 20 years like what, what okay okay God what are you going to do you know kind of just not shaking my fist but just really wondering what was next and wow I, so many doors have been opened and I do not have a theology degree in fact I have to study and prepare and study and prepare it is really ridiculous how long it takes me to prepare a sermon a radio show I'm getting a little bit better on the time management for the radio show but not great I mean it it takes me a long time because I want to make sure that I've thoroughly researched my topics I've thoroughly researched everything uh, so that I am 100% prepared and yes I don't have a theology degree but I have loved every second of learning about my Lord and Savior and the history and just uh, bringing messages of hope to people who may not have heard that message of hope before. So it's been a great summer. And one of my favorite things about getting in and doing Bible study is sometimes you discover this verse and you think, where have you been all my yes, life? Right? <laughs> like, where have you been hiding? And you pull out and God just reveals and sheds light on certain pieces of scripture that just illuminate you from the inside out and shed light on perspective or correct your perspective mm-hmm. or so gently correct you where you have been so wrong mm-hmm. for so many years. But yes. he does it in such a loving way. I love that about scripture. Um, you know, I've just really enjoyed this time being back in Austin and, you know, what kind of kicked off the this uh, idea of a day in the life of a witness as I went to this Jordan Felice concert back in Idaho. It was called Parktacular. Hey. And um, one of my girls said, Mom, we have to go here. This guy, Jordan Felice, is going to be singing. And I'm like, oh, Jordan, we have so much packed into our day. I don't want to do one more thing. But she was so insistent. So we got everybody in the van. We went down to Parktacular. And we listened and just, I mean, Faithy and I, my youngest, we kind of worked our way up to the front like we were three rows back and we had our hands in the air and we were jumping up and down. It was like Christian mosh pit, I guess you could say. (laughs) And he sang this song, Can I Get a Witness? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, where has this song been all my life? What a fantastic song. And it just reminded me over and over that that's what God calls us to be. And it's not a hard thing. You don't have to have special training. It's really useful if you do get into his word and spend some time Mm -hmm. with him. Um, But we can just be a witness by sharing what he has done in our life with those around him. And speaking of, I want to share this incredible, beautiful, joyful friend Uh, with our listening friends, and she has opened up her heart and and been willing to share a very difficult history, a very difficult childhood. Uh, She is now an American author, speaker. She will always be a dancer. Um, Her name is Susanna Stratman. Very unique because she was born not in America, but she was born in Pergos, Greece. And as a young child, she was survive, uh, surviving in a, a war-torn post-World War II Greece. And she was deceptively taken from her family and brought to the U.S. where she was adopted unknowingly by this American couple who was desperate for a child. And her name was changed. And despite her struggle and her and her family's best efforts, she was unable to be found. And at age nine, she did become an American citizen. She attended the good old Texas (laughs) A&M University. We got an Aggie in the house. Um, 
And so she has just, God has done so much in her life and brought her through so much. And you would think that she would be incredibly bitter and uh, incredibly broken. And she is not. And I, I just want to share with you, uh, Susanna Stratman, welcome to Love Talk, Susanna. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie and Kathy. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. I love both of y'all so much. So this is exciting for me, too. Thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. It's a great day for us. And when Susanna walked in, I told her, I said, I don't know if I'll be able to get through this <laughs> show today without crying, laughing, all of the things, um, so many emotions. Your novel is called Susanna, The Lost Daughter, and it chronicles your story, and it is gripping, it is engaging. You better just have some hours that, I mean, this, this is a book that you kind of don't want to eat, stop to eat. You don't want to stop to sleep. You just want to find out what happens to Susanna. <laughs> and uh, that's, I, I mean, that's what I did. I mean, I just, I just pummeled through this book. Um, as described by Kirkus Review, it's gripping and heart-wrenching, historically important, and it has contemporary relevance. Uh, Kathy, tell us a little bit about this book before we hear from Susanna. Okay, I'm just going to read you this book summary because it, it kind of helps to get all of us on the same page. Uh, so, all right, here's this beautiful summary. It says, Susanna Stratman's debut novel draws from her own experience as a young Greek child born into a devastated country post-World War II and Greek Silver, Civil War. Her family struggles daily for survival. In Pergos, Greece, five-year-old Susanna is often cold, always hungry, but her destitute family is kind and loving. Then one day, a stranger approaches Susanna's father with a startling proposition made bearable only by the assurance that the situation is temporary. But it is not as it seems, and Susanna is taken from her home, adopted by an American couple. How will she endure alone in this foreign place where her culture, her language, and even her name are taken from her? It's it's gripping. I'm I'm amazed that you are are not angry and bitter. So Susanna, if you could tell us, um, after so many years, why did you go back and write this book, knowing that it was going to reveal, and you were going to have to relive all of this trauma and heartbreak? How did you decide to write this? Well, Carrie, for as long as I can remember, um, when I would share my story, people would say, well, you should write a book. Mm. And for many years, I believed that God was calling me to do just that. So I tried to write a book. But I would sit down and I'd write three or four paragraphs, and that's as far as it would go. And my family, mm. my work would redirect me, and the, the writing never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. But three years ago, that changed. I once again sat down to try and write my story, but this time it was different. It was different because I began to do the research, and I was so moved by all that I was learning about what had happened in Greece mm -hmm. and because of the wars, how the country was left devastated and the people were desperate just to eat and survive. Mm -hmm. I learned how thousands, thousands of children lives, just like mine, were affected by the wars, and so many families were left homeless, and the orphanages were overrun with children. Mm. 
in in your book you you show us how the children in the orphanages were uh, malnourished and very very sick mm-hmm. um and that you know this adoption process um American families didn't really want sick children no. from Greece no. um you know well-meaning people who were trying to adopt children right. but yet didn't 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 know the medical expenses that they were going to have right. as they received children so when we return to love talk friends you're just not going to want to change the dial you're going to want to come back susana is going to tell us how she copes with um being taken from her family and moved all the way across the world to America from Greece when we return to Love Talk right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Endebrock, and you are listening to Love Talk. I'm in the studio today with my very good friend, Coach Carrie Brinkader, and our amazing, wonderful guest, Susanna Stratman, who has just came out with her debut book that has gotten a tremendous review by Kirkus Reviews. And the title of the book is Susanna, the Lost Daughter. And, friends, this is about uh, a young girl struggling for survival in post-World War II Greece. And she's five years old, uh, hungry, but part of a very loving family. And she gets taken uh, under uh, circumstances that her family is thinks is temporary, uh, but it is not temporary. Her family are de- deceived by a lawyer making money to uh, take children from Greece to parents who want to adopt them in the United States. And so, Susanna, we, we really want to go through with this because, again, as we said in our opening segment, we would think someone who has had everything taken from them, their family, their culture, their language, even their name, mm-hmm. would become bitter and broken and dysfunctional, and yet here you are, you're joyful, you're kind, you're generous. And when you went to go through and write this book, you said you had tried to write it a number of times mm-hmm. and it had never come out, but when you went to commit to actually doing the research and looking at what your parents had gone through and what Greece was like, you realized that even when that last bomb falls to end the war, that that is not the end, that generational generations, it takes generations to recover from that. And you were willing to go back and relive all of this trauma through your childhood and teenage years in order to write this book and share this story. What did your husband Bob think about that? I, would, I mean, my Eric would be like, Kath, let it go. alone. <laughs> well, you know, Bob and I met in high school. And so we've lived this adventure together. Mm-hmm. Um, after we'd been dating for a while, I thought, I'm going to tell Bob, you know, and, and I had nothing to prove anything. I mean, at that point, my family had not found me or anything. And I'm sure this must have all sounded very strange to him, but he hung in there with me. And then we went to A&M. We were both at A&M, and it was the Rice A&M football game. And I went to my P.O. box at my dorm, and there was a letter from Greece. And I called Bob immediately. That was my immediate thought. And I said, meet me at the student union. I have a letter from Greece. And we sat there together just reading this beautifully written four-page letter. My family found me. They found me. And Bob was so funny because he kept saying, well, now you told me that. 
well, you told me that. And it was almost like it was in amazement, but I think there was a lot of relief that, oh, gosh, this is really all true. (laughs) (laughs) But as I was writing, I would take each chapter in for Bob to review. And I have to say, at times, it was very difficult for us to read. Um, As I said, we live this together. He knows my Greek family. They are his family now. And to recall some of the hard times made us both very emotional. Well, I I got goosebumps when you said that. I can, I can only imagine what it what it felt like to see after so many years a letter from Greece. I I don't did you did you did you hug it? Did you I mean, I just think that is precious material that is worth more than gold to you. The the a letter from Greece. The Carrie the part that I loved and yes, all of that. Everything All of that happened. But the part I loved was when it came to my brother saying, you must know that we have the best mother and father in the world. And that's the mother and father Mm -hmm. I knew. That's the mother and father that I had longed for. Mm -hmm. And um, just that he said, the joy that has been missing is you, that they have been taken Mm -hmm. from us by the people in the foreign country. And now we want to celebrate you. We want to know you. it was just so, it was so beautiful. The letter was so beautiful. Um, and yes, uh, Bob and I both were very, very emotional about it. I don't think we made it to the Rice a football game that day. <laughs> I, I think we sat there for quite a while and missed that game. So, Well, yeah. now, Susanna, you said that, so you are in, you are at A&M at this point, And so mm-hmm. it has been years. And you mm-hmm. said, you know, you went to tell Bob when you started dating and you mm-hmm. really didn't have anything to prove. Nothing anything that, you know, you had nothing to prove that you were from Greece. You had been taken. You had gone your whole life from five years old. You had revealed to a couple little childhood Mm -hmm. friends that, you know, your name really wasn't Nita. It was Mm -hmm. Susana Mm -hmm. and that this wasn't your family. This wasn't really your Mm -hmm. mama. And nobody knew what to do with this information. Your adoptive parents told you to stop it, even, Mm -hmm. you know, spanking you and disciplining Mm -hmm. you for sharing these things. Basically, telling you, stop, we don't want to hear anymore, none of that. You say goodbye to that history. You let it go. You are our child now. This is where you are. You have no mother and father. We are your mother and father. I mean, very traumatizing for a five-year-old, and yet here you are years later uh, dating Bob, still nothing, had never talked with your parents. They had been searching, searching, had never been able to find you. This this story reminds me of Esther because it's this book about about God in, in, in the Bible where where he's not really mentioned other than the prayers that were made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when you share this book, you know, you don't talk about God or about your faith. You talk mm-hmm. about the prayers that your family made for you. Um, and yet, if you read through the book from beginning to end, you start to see his hand, just like the book of Esther. It's so apparent throughout. When you were writing this book, what what did God reveal to you mm-hmm. as you were going through and looking at the story of your life? Mm-hmm. There was three very dramatic things that God put on my heart. The first one was the power of my mother's prayers. Mm-hmm. When I was reunited with my mother for the first time after being separated for 15 years, the first thing she wanted me to know, of course, it was through a translator because we couldn't speak the same language. She kept saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. I prayed for you for your protection every day, every day I prayed for you. And I felt that protection my whole life. There is a strength that I have always felt that gives me hope, and sometimes in very difficult situations, that strength that now I know is God's answering my mother's prayers helped me press through. And power, a prayer is powerful. 
It can reach across an ocean because God has no boundaries. And second, while writing, I began to learn more about myself and more importantly, to see the whole story. Because usually we just have our story. But when you are writing, you're forced to go into somebody else's shoes, see it through their eyes, have their experience. And so you see a complete story. You start having compassion. You start having grace. And it, it, it all comes together for you. And I'll tell you the third third thing for me was by writing I found that little girl again I found Susanna that was so authentically and uniquely made for God's purpose and during my writing God revealed how much I had faded I don't know how else to describe it that and I don't I wonder if all of us do that you know things happen we fall down we scrape our knee and we say well I'm not going to do that again or we fall in love and and something happens we say well I'm not going to love like that again and so we start building this fear up that keeps us from being our unique authentic God created selves because the world kind of takes a toll on us. And um, so for me, taking my name back, Susana, was part of my living fearlessly in God's grace and purpose. And at times that that can be really risky in this world, but mostly it is beautifully, beautifully freeing. Oh, man. I love that. So you're going through reliving and revisiting this trauma, and God is teaching you grace and compassion yes. mm-hmm. and love. Kathy, we're not That's getting cool. through this day, girl. We are both just sitting here with tears in our eyes because, you know, I, listen, friends, I've known Susanna for, for many years, but I I did not know this story. I, I did not know. And when Kathy told me about your book, I said, oh, you mean Vita? And she goes, well, Carrie, I think after you read the book, you'll want to call her Susanna. That's what Kathy <laughs> says to me. And I, it's, it's, it's so true. The way you so vividly detail the scenes, your, your emotions that you experienced at such a young age. I, this, you know, a lot of people say that, um, you know, you can remember experiences, especially if they're traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. And I and I 100% see that with you because this is so vivid. The book, you know, you, you talk about your mom is boiling an egg. Your mom in Greece mm-hmm. is, is boiling an egg the day that you're taken. And you don't know why. You love eggs. Mm-hmm. And eggs are a treat. Mm-hmm. And normally you just get a tiny, tiny bit of the egg but this day, you got the whole egg. And you, you talk about the, the look of your mom's skirt, her dress, and, and how she peeled that egg for you. And I, I, I'm amazed at the details you can remember. Um, it, it's, it's unbelievable. How are you able to mm-hmm. recall all these details? Well, Carrie, it's what you're talking about. My experience at, at six, five, six years old was traumatic and being torn from my family, taken to a place where I did not know what anyone was saying, who anyone was, being told I was to forget my family, having my name taken from me and renamed. Trauma has a way of sticking to us. It marks us and it leaves wounds in us. Mm-hmm. Even at the age of 65, I have to wake up every day and ask God to protect me and others mm-hmm. from the wounds in my heart. And it's only through his grace that I'm healed every single day, daily. Mm-hmm. And also, 
being adopted into a family that was so different from what I had known, not meeting the expectations of, of the adopted mother, left me so sad at times that I would lay in bed and I would just dwell on my mother's words. I'd, I'd feel her kissing me on my cheeks. I'd remember riding on my father's shoulders through town and him saying, this is Susana, my, my Susana. And and playing with the bubbles with my sister and my brothers and my friends in the street. Those are the things that sustain me. So those, over the years, that was my my safe place. That's how I got through a lot is because I never let go of those memories. And um, it's, it's part of the protection that I felt when I was growing up. It's, uh, you know, one of the, the parts in the book that, sticks so clearly with me is the day before you were taken away your your sister knew um that you were going to be taken and she put extra bubbles in the water that night to wash the dishes and because she she wanted to cherish that memory with you um, oh, listening friends, what what a joy this is to be with Susanna Stratman, who's written a gripping tale. It's not a tale. It's her personal story, uh, The Lost Daughter. Susanna, The Lost Daughter. I encourage you to get a copy. You can easily find it on Amazon, um, and it's it can be at your front door tomorrow. <laughs> I, I encourage you. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. When we return to Love Talk, we'll find out more about a particular event in the book that has left um, just a very vivid picture in Susanna's mind the day that she was taken. And um, I, you won't want to miss it when we return to Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. What a glorious day it is as we are in studio today. I am Coach Carrie Brinkader, my good friend Kathy Enderbrock, and our friend Susanna Stratman, who's written a book, The Lost Daughter. Susanna, you wanted to make sure that our listening friends are very clear about a part of your history and how you feel about adoption. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if I can just take a minute to say how much I respect and honor the parents that are willing to adopt domestic and foreign children and willing to give them loving homes and a chance for a better life. My story is not a reflection on adoption. It is about deceiving innocent parents and families who did not have the truth to base their decisions on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the book, it's it's very gripping how this is so filled with deception from what your father was told. Oh, you know, we'll write letters back. You will hear from Susanna. We'll send pictures. And obviously none of that happened. And your father clung to those words and actually caused him to to really have a breakdown uh, because he was so sad. He could not believe what was happening as, I guess, reality really set in. Now, Kathy, you've known Susana for a long time. I, I have. And so there's this particular event that I really want you to share because it, it, you relayed this to me over a campfire. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many years ago. And I remember sitting there going, is this for real? Could this really have happened? And now in my family, we tend to exaggerate a lot and we use hyperbole. (laughs) And so I'm trying to figure out which part of this story is exaggerated or stretched or. And so when I read this book and went back through, I thought, oh, 
My goodness, that was 100% pure detail for detail, the truth. And um, so, so, so share this with me. There's, there's this doll event in mm-hmm. chapter 13, and it has had such a, it, it seems to have such a profound effect on you mm-hmm. that years later, when you go back to this crooked lawyer, mm-hmm. which, you know, the adoptive parents, good, good, good mm-hmm. hearts, they mm-hmm. wanted a child. You know, your parents wanted a, a temporary help and education for their daughter, but there was a lawyer who was lying and deceptive, and he uses this doll to lure you into a, to a car, and then he does something with that doll later. And it was such a pivotal event for you that years later, when you confronted him, you brought this up. Ah, uh, yes, the doll. <laughs> the first time um, that someone lied to me. The first time that I was betrayed, I had never been lied to. I trusted completely and innocently. I had no reason not to. And I trusted Peter Bacchus when he said the doll would be mine if I would get in the car with him. And that doll came to represent forever in my heart the day that I was taken from my mother. It came to represent my world shifting from innocent to fearful, confused, and feeling lost. It reminded me that I chose the doll over holding on to my mother's hand. Then alone in the car with that beautiful doll, she was all I had as I was driven away from my mother. And she became my comfort. And then she was just brutally taken from me and told she was not mine. So going back and seeing Peter Bacchus as an adult, it surprised me, I have to tell you, that I wanted to chastise him about the doll and just telling him, you took my doll. You lied to me. You said she was mine and you took her from me. And it was such a bizarre exchange. <laughs> and he um, he looked perplexed because he obviously had forgotten the incident, which just infuriated me even more. So, yes, that doll came to represent so much of that horrific day that I was taken from my family, how we were all, my father, my mother, my family, my friends, my neighbors, were all taken advantage of, and how my father was left broken, just like when Peter Bacchus threw that doll back into the car. Mm. This this image, friends, is emblazoned in my mind now as I, as I think about, you know, Susana walks from her home with her mother, and that day, you so vividly write in the books, Susana, that the streets were empty. The people had gone into their homes. There was nobody in the marketplace. And you knew that something was not right. And you had on your church clothes. And it wasn't church day. And those were really the only, you had two sets of clothes. Those and then that your everyday clothes. And you just didn't know what was going on. And then you see this convertible car that drives up with a man dressed in white. You've never seen a man in white. Nobody in Pergos, Greece, wears white because everybody's working. And you just knew something was not right, but you were lured in by this doll. And the picture, the first time I cried in the, when I read the book, was um, as the car drove away. Your mom didn't say anything to you until the car drove away and she's screaming your name. She's screaming your name. And you you look back and you realize, wait a minute, something's not right here. Something is not right here. And that that picture to me is so telling of our father, 
um, in heaven that sometimes we choose things over him and we run away in that car because of that thing that has lured us in. Maybe it's a job that's lured us in, a, a, a man or a woman that's lured us in, a way of life, and he's running after us, screaming our names. Um, that picture is so vivid to me and such a reflection of how sometimes we run away from our father and you didn't do it um, purposefully. Um, how how did that interaction with Peter end, if I, could, if I could ask that? It ended with him being so non-responsive and, and had, he had so convinced himself that what I did gave you hope. I gave you hope where there was mm-hmm. no hope. And there was nothing I could say that made him feel accountable on any level. And um, so it was just left kind of um, unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I wanted something more from him, and he just was not, he was not able to give it. Mm. He was not able to give it because he really believed in what he was doing. But your group of of children that was taken from Greece. That was his last time to take children yes, it from was. Greece. Yes, it was. Uh, so I think in a way, at that point in his life, he was convicted that he needed to stop. But over the years, I would assume that his heart had just been hardened, and that was his way to cope. I will tell you, Carrie, he did tell me the story. He said, I have never forgotten your father. Because he had mm-hmm. my father, he had to go three times to try and convince him. Mm-hmm. He said, I will never forget him. Looking up at him, he said, was one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he said, I remember him crying. And he said, I always think of your father. I dream of your father. And so something happened there. Something happened there that um, I think must have convicted him that this will be my last trip. This will be the last time. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you you are a woman that I have always respected and admired because every time I've been around you, you light up the room. You are so filled with joy. And you you have this network of people that just knows you and adores you. I would think that after such trauma, Susanna, that there would be a, a bitter seed deep down somewhere. But you, you do not harbor that. Why? How are you able to be so filled with joy? Well, Carrie, if I can humbly say that We are all broken, and in the brokenness, we have a God that, if we choose, will meet us right there. He hears our prayers, and he promises to give us peace and healing. It's not not to say that the wounds ever leave us completely. They're part of our story. They're part of our testimony, and they remind us where we receive our strength. Philippians 4, 4, 7 is my go-to verse. I claim it over and over, and I'd like to just read it now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Be brave, friends. Let your light and spirit shine bright. Be brave. That's what your father told you. Yes, that was exactly that, that, the, that was the last thing he said yes. to you before you were taken. Kathy, man, you know, I this is this is one of the things where I wish that we could start taking questions from all of our <laughs> right, listening right. friends because I know that everything would just be lit up. And this is the one thing that drives me crazy. You know, we used to do this show live, and so we could people could start texting us, we could answer straight away, and because we pre-tape during the week for our Saturday show, we don't have that. But this is what I would like to say. Um, if you do have questions that you want answered, um, write us to us on our Facebook uh, and just send a um, send a little note. Let us know what questions that you would like asked. And, Susana, we can have you on again. Also, you talk. You share. You, I mean, everything that you're doing here, you've done for women's groups. You've, uh, you know, not necessarily Christian women's groups yeah. either. You're sharing with, you know, uh, Every kind of group. And so can you just tell our listeners, and we'll do this again in our last segment, how they can get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. Well, first we have Susana, S-O-U-S-A-N-N-A dot net. That's our website where you can get books there. I'm happy to sign one for you. You can get a book through Amazon. We're at Barnes & Noble. And I would love to come to your book clubs. I'd love to come to your events. Your, I just love being with all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and and really, friend, you, you have no idea. I'm serious about that. She, Susana just lights up a room. She is a beacon of hope in a, sometimes a world that is, is dark and gray. You'll not want to miss our last segment. I want to get into a few more things about the book with Susana as we try Travel down this road with her, the lost daughter, a young girl who's taken from her family by an unscrupulous lawyer who is deceiving families in America and taking children uh, away from their families in Greece. When we return to Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You found the love, ladies. So great to have you on Love Talk with us. Um, I I just I cannot tell you what a great time it has been today with our friend Susana, her gripping, gripping story, and her book called The Lost Susana, The Lost Daughter. What a beautiful, beautiful story of of um, just love and joy. There were so many times I laughed and cried in this book. And and just to have you here is so amazing. Now, Susana, one of the things that was really, that really impacted me as I read the book is just your mom and dad. You're taken from your family. Your dad um, obviously made this decision and then informed your mom about the decision that he had made. And then she had to inform your sister and your brother, and it was heart-wrenching. Um, your dad thought he was making the right decision for for his family, sending his baby, his beautiful, beautiful baby uh, daughter to America to have a better life. What kind of impact did this have on your mom and dad as they realized that they had been deceived? Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie, what I learned about this came from 
my actual neighbors because I wasn't there, of Mm -hmm. course, to experience it. So these stories have come to me from, you know, my childhood friends who are now, of course, my age. And when they speak about my mother, I want to just say this. The, The one thing they always said about my mother was that she was a friend to everyone and she never said a bad word against anyone. Mm -hmm. My father was, although my parents were not educated, they were not able to read or write, they were field workers. But my father was so respected. First of all, he was 6'2 and blonde, Mm -hmm. blue eyes. So he, you know, most Greek men are short. So he had that stature. But he also was wise and he was gregarious and he was loving and the children loved him. And all the people in town, they wanted to be around him to to ask him his opinions about politics or whatever. But then after I was taken, everything changed because they believed that he took money from me. And what kind of a father would do that? And they stopped. The children didn't want to. And he he changed. I I was told that he he was like a broken man. Mm-hmm. He didn't stop to talk to the children. He didn't say hello to the people anymore. And he started drinking his wine. And it soothed the pain for him. My sister, Anastasia, she's probably the, the, the hidden figure in all of this because she was the rock in the family. And it was finally one day when... His, the, the, the wine had consumed him and become such a part of his life that she walked in and she said, you're not the father that I've known. I need a father. I am still one of your children. I am still here. And it was enough to make my father stop and say yes. And at that same moment, his best friend, don't we all love having a best, best friend, friend yes. talking would not give up on him. And he came to the door just as this event was happening. And he said, what's what's going on? What's going on with you, Nicholas? You, you're a man that is loved and respected. What are you doing? And it just, it was one of those God things that he came in and he said, you know, God said, Nicholas, you're not going to be this person. And I'm going to bring all these people to you. And you can make a choice. And he made the right choice. Mm-hmm. And he became himself again. And I um, I wish I could have seen my father again. They mm-hmm. say I'm a lot like him. <laughs> I believe I you I are. Have, I wish I could have seen him again. He mm-hmm. he died six months after they found me. And they said it was like he, he willed himself to live, to know how I was. Mm-hmm. And so... He got one letter for me, so he knows something. He knows that something. Is, that's incredible. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. so you got that first letter from Marios in nineteen seventy two, fall of nineteen seventy two, yeah. from your brother Marios who had who had found you and I'm mean, friends, you're going to want to read the book and found, find out how mm-hmm. it is that he found you. <laughs> that is an incredible it's a miracle. story. That's, incredible. It, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. A miracle. Yeah. And so then you wrote back, and they were able to take that to your dad and read it to him and say, Susana is found, wife found. And Marios, I love, he also made a commitment to your parents that he would not marry until he found yes. you. So I would, I'd like I, to kind of hear the rest of the story. So you have gotten to go back to Greece. You say your mom has been able to come mm-hmm. here. Tell yes. us about the family relationships yes. now. Yes. Um, well, our first our first uh, reunion was in 1976 after Bob and I were married, and we went. And I would like to tell you that it was awkward, and it was like going home. 
It was just like going home. And my mom is only 4'11". And, you know, Bob, my husband, is 6'2". And, I mean, she just went right into his, the middle of his chest, he, you know, just hugging him and loving him. And it was it was all so natural. And, and um, to, to go back to where I was born and to be standing on that street with who was my best friend and now was, you know, grown up. And she said, you know, Susanna, do you know? Do you know where your house is? And and it threw me because I, I, I wanted to know. And then I just took a breath and I went, yes, it's that way. Oh. And and it, it was. And it was just there was a beautiful meal waiting for us. The neighbors, oh, my goodness, all the little yayas were bringing flowers and bread. And it was just a constant revolving door of everyone wanting to just come and, and be with us and share with us. It was it was amazing. And now, you know, my children, uh, yes, my mother has come here. And my children, after they, they uh, we t- made several trips as, as young children for them. But when they graduated from high school, they both lived with the families there for six months before starting their education, their college education. And now, I mean, our, my son and daughter-in-law just went and had a beautiful trip with the family and, uh yeah, we're just all waiting now for all of us to go back with the grandchildren a little bit older. And my grandson actually got to run on the original Olympic Stadium uh, mm-hmm. uh, track. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And we're on Instagram together. I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> I, you know, you were telling us over the break that in 1972, it took five weeks no, to get a letter. Weeks. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight oh, my goodness. Eight weeks to get a letter back and forth. And now... Thank you, Instagram. Thank you, Twitter. (laughs) Thank you, Facebook. It is instant. So you're able to really share your lives on a daily Daily. basis. Now you're able to be a part of each other's lives. And if you're ever saying social media is evil, yes, there's a (laughs) lot of evil out there. But, boy, God can sure use it for good, too. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. uh, You said earlier, Susana, you know, I guess I've probably known you maybe 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. met you at church. And I knew you as Vita, and um, I am so thankful that today, after I've read your book and seen you for the first time, that I get to call you Susana. Oh, thank you, It's, it's beautiful. We're just all filled with tears in here, <laughs> and Susana's husband is here, and he's been crying the whole time. And it's just a beautiful story, a beautiful um, picture, uh, just overall, of how our Savior loves us so deeply. And what a miracle this is that after 15 years, and your brother Mario's a man keeping his word to his family. Because you write that in the book that at 12 years old, Mario's told your father, I will not marry until I find her. And uh, I just find that beautiful. Everything about this story, the 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 heartbreak and the trauma and and the just the historical significance opening our eyes to what a post world war to Greece looked like and you know we have to you know Eric and I and the girls we took a trip to Greece and and we got to go to all of these incredible places that have just uh, significance to our Bible um, uh, gosh Patmos Patmos, Patmos. Yes. Corinth, uh, Corinth uh-huh. 
Athens, of mm-hmm. course, for Paul. And we did that summer series. You can find that on our archives. Um, I just I want to tell you, Susanna, for those who want to get in touch with you, if they say I I mean, they can obviously mm-hmm. find your book mm-hmm. going anywhere. Just mm-hmm. Google Susanna, the lost daughter. Mm-hmm. If they say I want you as a speaker quickest place they can go to real quick susana.net susana.net mm-hmm. and I, one of the things that stood out i have written in capitals i have circled you said that you can be heartbroken and you can say i'm not going to do that again mm-hmm. you can fall down and get hurt and you can say i'm not going to do that again mm-hmm. or there's another way and, you know, for friends, for those of you who have been listening to Love Talk today and you've just been wondering at this incredible woman who's been through incredible childhood trauma that would leave most of us in the fetal position, shaking back and forth in a corner, unable to have any meaningful social relationships. And you can hear the joy in her voice. You can you can hear the peace that covers her heart. And you say, okay, I've been heartbroken and I have fallen down. And my answer has been, I'm not going to do that anymore. There's a better way. There's a better way to love again, to have that heart, that broken heart, mended and healed. There's a better way to overcome those scrapes and those bumps and those scars that you think you will never get past there's a better way. It's with Jesus Christ. And we're so thrilled that we're able to share him with you on Love Talk every week. And today, Jesus Christ invites us, you carry me, Susanna, into spending time with him personally, personally. And he loves us with a love deep enough to reach our deepest hurts. And if you would like to begin a personal relationship within, with him today, it's as easy as a BC. You admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You cannot heal yourself. You cannot discover your own truth that's going to get you out of that deep pit that's going to get you past that scar. You admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. That He died on that cross and he rose again to offer you, offer us the free gift of salvation. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It is a promise straight from the Father's heart, straight to you. And see is simple. You confess your faith in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, that he is your Savior, that he is the one that you're going to turn to for peace, for healing, and to love on you every day so that you can love on others Friends, it's been a great Saturday with you. We've just had so much fun. Susana, it's been wonderful having you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So, friends, you can join us. uh, You can call us on the Love Line at 512-249-6535. Join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. on KTXW, Austin the Bridge, 101.1 FM and 1120 a.m., uh, or um, you can live stream with us as well on Austin on the bridge Austin.com. Go to our archives at Love Talk Network. It's been a great Saturday. I'm Kathy Endebrock. Joining me is Coach Carrie Brinkater. We look forward to joining you again next week on Love Talk.